Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films. Whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, like I state on every episode, it means the absolute world that you've clicked on, that you've spun, that you've shared, whatever it is. Thank you so much for your constant support. It's the end of 2023, which means one thing and one thing only. Everyone on the internet is giving you their top films of the year. And I'm going to be no different, so here we go. Top 10 films of 2023. Again, though, thank you so much for listening to the podcast this year. However many, I've been doing this since 2021. It means an absolute world to hear people's thoughts of each episode or whatever episode that you've been listening to. So again, I know I stress this a lot, but thank you so much for your constant support with this podcast. But 2023 has been such an interesting year. Granted, I know that the strikes were right at the forefront of everything. It stopped everything as as it should do as well. And it's so good to see that things have been resolved and people are now getting what they deserve, what they do for the cinema, what they do for the, the world of film, you know. So again, that was obviously the strange side of it. But it's been interesting because we've had a lot of sequels. We've had a bit of this and that. We've had some absolutely stunning films And we've had some right trash this year as well. So putting this list together was, I would say it was easier than the last few years I have done this podcast because I've enjoyed 10 films at least, you know what I mean? So that's great. It's just that, like I say, I'm I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen next year because next year's list of films, Jesus, like there is so much to get excited for. So many sequels as well. Like 2024 is going to be the year of sequels. So next year's list, it may very well be all sequels. Who knows? Let's just see, eh? But... With this list, the list is my top favourite films of the year. I'm not saying that one film is better. I mean, well, I am saying that one film is better than the other in the list. But, you know, in terms of filmmaking, there are going to be films and movies in this list that you're going to think, well, surely that should be higher than this because... But that's fine. Again, you are absolutely right to think that. And if you do obviously disagree, that's even better. Because get in touch. Let me know your favourite films or how you would put my ranking or whatever. Just mainly, let me know what your favourite films are or what one film stood out amongst the rest. That would be awesome to hear. But as I stress, it's my favourite list... Not the best, obviously, and I'm not saying these are the best films of the year. Well, they are for me, but again, it's open to your opinion. I just want to stress that. Let's just jump to it. Before we do, though, the pod is available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as to rss.com. Jump onto the socials, onto Facebook and Instagram, that is. Search your blogs about films on there. Give us a like and a follow. That would be grand. If you could, too, hit the notification button, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast from, that would be awesome. And finally, leave us a review. Five stars, four stars, whatever stars. I don't mind. Just leave a review. That would be, oh, you would be the hero of the year. Starting off at number 10 in the 10 favourite list, Scream 6. Scream 6 for me was far better, far better than Scream 5. I've not really, I've not got much issues with Scream 5. It's just that it just didn't, it just didn't do much for me. And I feel like that Scream 6 was literally that new cast, you know, moving away from the legacy of Scream or the legacy characters and really like making it their own. I thought once again that Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera were absolutely fantastic in this film and just having that setup of them being in new york city a new surrounding or the dynamics between the characters of you know melissa barrera sam carpenter really struggling to kind of let tara lead her own life that's of course jenna ortega's character just because of what's happened and the legacy of, of who they are related to and what's happened in the previous film you know it's, it's it's about you know putting that to bed and trying to live a normal life but how can you do that when ghostface just seems to pop up and just wreak havoc 
So yeah, there's some real great interesting dynamics, but the actual setup of the film being in New York was a great, great new take and refreshing for the franchise. I felt that Ghostface himself, oh, he was a serious badass. Like seriously, the most intense, I would say, and really, really bloody when he wanted to be. Like the sequence in particular that I think was so, so good was that one where we got to see them in that little corner shop on all fours, you know, just kind of caught crawling around the aisles and such as Ghostface was there with the sh- just blazing up the shotgun, this and that. So, so good, but really, really did enjoy Scream 6. I will say that, yes, the film took a bit of a dip when it came to revealing who Ghostface was in this film, but I, I do strongly think that Scream 6 is the best sequel since the original at a push, probably I would say maybe Scream 2, because... I do appreciate that there are many Scream 2 fans out there that die by it. So again, live and die by it, I should say. But yeah, really, really excellent. In terms of a sequel, this one is very much up there in that Scream franchise. Need to quickly mention as well, sorry, that every film in this list, there is a full podcast review on my podcast. So if you want to hear my in-depth and longer thoughts, we should say, about the film, do go check them out. Really would appreciate it as well. But yeah, if you want to hear full thoughts, check out the actual full episode on each of these films. Number nine, then. No one will save you. This film was a bit divisive on the internet, wasn't it? A lot of people were kind of like, did I enjoy that? Did I not enjoy that? I'm not really sure, but I really did enjoy it. Granted, yes, I'm a less is more kind of guy, so when we got to see like the aliens and such, it really just dipped a little bit for me with that. But it's the first film this year where I was really left stuck in my own thoughts. Like, I genuinely was, I don't know, like, just trying to put it all together. I mean, there were elements straight up that I really, really dug, you know, like stuff of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the the nods and such to that, or just, just alien invasion in, in, in general, or the idea of taking a taking that trope of a home invasion story, mixing it up and having it with aliens instead, is just genius. And Brian Duffield, I felt, did such a fantastic job with this film. The fact as well that it's very, very limited with the speaking side of the film. Caitlin Dever had to physically act her ass off, let's be honest, and she did, oh, tremendous work. Like, the standard... I mean, that, that's the thing with this film, is that even if you're not fussed about the script or you're not fussed about the story or that you maybe just didn't fully understand it, I mean, let's be honest, it's one of those where I'm not saying I understood it everything and everything I just took away from, you know, from the film what I felt it was trying to say, you know, like self-forgiveness more than anything. But I felt that Caitlin Dever was awesome like that's the thing sorry what i was stressing is that everyone who maybe just didn't didn't like the story can all agree the main performance there from caitlin dever was unbelievably good like absolutely fantastic but as i say that idea of self-forgiveness it really really is playing all the way through that film you know she's been isolated away from everyone else it was a really really fascinating watch i like the double meaning with the um with the title as well that i pointed out in the uh in my actual full review as well no one will save you because well no one will save her in this town because everybody hates her, but also no one can save you in that idea of self-forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself to be able to move on. So again, very, very excellent stuff. It's available on Disney Plus now. Make sure you do check it out if you haven't already. Really, really ace. The aliens, they're terrifying until they're not. So there you go. And number eight, I'm coming in with Air. Now, I almost forgot about this film, but I was like going through my list of films that came out this year, and this one really did stand out for me because it's, it's, it's one of those, again, where... How do you make a film about a shoe or a trainer that interesting? But Ben Affleck did it, man. Like, absolutely. And it's also worth noting that I've got a Matt Damon film in my top ten list. Who'd have thought that one, eh? But I really, really did enjoy a lot about this film. Like, I was I was invested in the story all the way through. Like, we know the outcome of it. Like, we know 
what's going to happen. We know that Michael Jordan does eventually make that deal with Nike to have the Air Jordans released and such. I don't understand how they made it so captivating, so engaging. It was really, really excellent. And again, another film that was available on Prime, but I'm so glad I did check this out at the cinema. And the opening montage as well was so good. Like, it's so 80s, it's so fascinating. Like, you'll never, you'll not see a better film introduction than Air. I'm just going to put that out there this year. It was so... Then again, the next film has a really good title card. So anyways, coming into that in a second. But yeah, Air, really, really great. I loved the the chemistry and dynamics between all the lead protagonists in this film. Matt Damon was ace. Obviously, Jason Bateman as well was really good. And it was too really nice seeing Chris Tucker because I think this was like his first film in like eight years or something daft like that off the top of my head I think something something ridiculously too long anyway to have Chris Tucker away from the screen so really really ace seeing those but again just found this film awesome obviously Viola Davis as well oh she's she's awesome in anything so let's be frank she's really great as Dolores Jordan in this film that's Michael Jordan's mum like you don't want to mess with her and I love how much she's very protective and caring of her son so much to enjoy about this film again fascinating to, to just think that they've that Ben Affleck has made this film as enjoyable as it was and it's about a trainer anyways there we go that's number eight and number seven coming in with some more horror another sequel or requel, or whatever. Evil Dead Rise. Now, this was a hoot. Like, this was one of the better horror films I've seen in recent years. There's some some fantastic performances in here. Obviously, Alyssa Sutherland got high praise for portrayals. Ellie, that's the mum in this film. This this she becomes such a threat, like really, really terrifying. But also, obviously, uh, Lily Sullivan as well was ace as that lead protagonist you know really really you were rooting for it all the way through the film to save this family and that's the best way of getting people on your side is that you've got innocent kids involved in this film as well there's this block of flats that's then obviously possessed by one of the entities this and that from the book of the dead and all hell breaks loose quite literally all hell breaks loose but that kind of claustrophobic vibe that the film had of just setting it in that apartment or rather expanding it to the hallways of this building block it worked. It really did work. And it was nice, again, similar to Scream, just taking it away from its familiar setting. Obviously, we're all used to the Cabin in the Woods aspects of the Evil Dead films, but to do what they did with it was really, really ace. And I absolutely love the opening of this film, which, again, does start with the old Cabin in the Woods, your classic Cabin in the Woods, Evil Dead sitch. And it just escalates and escalates. There's the cheese grater scene in this as well, which to this day I still can't watch. But I love the opening title sequences of this film as well, as, as everyone did. Like, everyone on the internet at the time was just sharing that gif or the clip of where it says Evil Dead Rise as, she, as obviously the possessed girl rises out of the water. It was honestly stunning like really really excellent but not only that but i really liked the sweeping camera at the start when it pretty much was trying to represent what you were expecting to be like the demon entity trying to fly to its next target as we got to see like who what studios made the film this and that but it turns out it was just a drone all of it was so well thought i thought that lee cronin he understood the assignment you know what i mean like he's like right i've been given the task of an evil dead film so i love evil dead let's just do as much evil dead as we possibly can i just think that this really was a great trajectory then to be like, right, well, if, if Lee Cronin can do this well, let's just make as many more films as we possibly can do. And by the sounds of it, I do think that is going to be the case that I think from what Bruce Campbell said that it sounds like The Evil Dead is not going to go away anytime soon. But man alive, this film was a bloody lot of fun. Really, really excellent. And then after that, coming in at number six, is this? Yes, it is. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This film... In terms of superhero films, this is the only film that's in my list because it is the best <laughs> of the bunch. I think Guardians maybe would have been slightly behind it. I wouldn't even say slightly. I think that this is so far ahead of it. It really, really was. It's the best superhero film 
of the year. Picking up where we left off, obviously, with Into the Spider-Verse, you know, you've still got, you know, Miles Morales, played by Shamike Moore, who is still learning and understanding who exactly is and, and what kind of Spider-Man he is to be. The amount of multiverse action that we get to see and the relationships between different characters in said multiverse, obviously, aside from Hayley Stanfield's Gwen Stacy, you know, you're now in this one, we've got Oscar Isaac, Spider-Man 2049, who is so good, it's like so good to see him on the screen. But I just thought that not only in terms of the story, which was bang on, but the animation just, it blew my socks. It blew everyone away, didn't it? Like, I remember saying this on a podcast at the time. I remember saying that we all said the same thing about Into the Spider-Verse, that it just looked amazing. And then we're coming out of this one and we're like, how have they topped it? How have they topped what they did with the last one? That 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 vulture was so good in Across the Spider-Verse. Like, really, really good. Um, and I just like that that idea of incorporating different animation styles on top of one another. It was just flawless, but it really did. I remember, because it's obviously essentially part one, but when this film ended, I could have sat there for another two hours, 20, and watched this all over again. Or at least watched the next film, you know what I mean? Like, it was so, so good. And it has me very excited for what is to come in the next Spider-Verse film, which I believe is called Beyond the Spider-Verse, which we don't know when's coming out, but we're all going to be here for it, Absolutely when it does so. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is coming at number six. Excellent, excellent film. Loved it an awful lot. In at number five, we're into the top five already, man. Wow. And David Fincher returned to the big screen with The Killer, which, again, so good. And and really, the film is just all through Michael Fassbender, but boy, does he absolutely shine in this film, and he keeps you really hooked. I loved the style of the film, this, like, Noir. I remember saying before on my pod that it was a bit more of like a, a slick and stylish and artsy kind of John Wick film. And it really was. Like, it was so, so good. I thought Fassbender, he had you all the way through the film, you know. Like, you were invested in his mantra, his motives, his goal, why he's doing what he's doing. Everything about him, you were just drawn to him. I loved the cinematography in this film in particular. I thought it absolutely looked stunning in places. That opening sequence of him just waiting for his target when he's at the building opposite that grand building in, is it France or Germany, wherever he is? It Just all of it. There was some really, really stunning work in terms of the cinematography. But I really like the idea of a complex character such as Fassbender, whose mantra is don't take things personally or don't let emotion come into it kind of thing. And then we see him on a personal vendetta for this two-hour film or whatever it is. Like, it's such a conflict of interest personally like an internal turmoil for this character but it was a joy to watch i really did enjoy this film it was so stylish man like really really ace and uh, again uh one that i would highly recommend to people definitely it's one of those kind of go-to's where if anyone's on like streaming thinking what's good to stream i'm always like the killer's worth a watch definitely it's one of it's one of my favorites anyways of fincher's work it's, it's back to his best because i said i said before on a pod there was a time when fincher was my all-time favorite director i just kind of drifted away from his work over the last couple of years this really has brought it back for me because he's done an absolutely staggering piece of work with this one. Yeah, I think, again, it's one of those that the more I think about it, the more I really, really like this film. So, yeah, in at five, The Killer. Number four, it's been a while since we've had a very good film in this franchise, but boy, did they nail it with the 10th installment, Saw X, which saw the return of Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith as they respected Jigsaw and Amanda Young. Back in the director's chair too was Kevin Gratter, who helmed a couple of the Saw films and produced every one of them. This was a stunning, stunning film. Like, I loved this. Like, in, for as a diehard Saw fan, it was everything I wanted and then some. The traps were absolutely incredible. The actual, the main thing though was the story was good and it wasn't rushed. It was a two hour straight up 
character deep dive into John Kramer set after the events of Saw 1 but before Saw 2 and just seeing him deal with the, the, the cancer that he's got and looking for any chance of survival only for his hope to be ripped away. I've I've gushed and waffled enough about Saw 10 for people on this podcast to know that I freaking love this film. I've done a to- I've done a top 10 ranking. Yeah, top 10 ranking of all the Saw films. I've done Saw X in full depth. So if you want to hear any more thoughts on Saw X, go check it out. But I really did enjoy this film. The audience was in the palm of Jigsaw's hands throughout once you know that he's been conned. You want these people that have done so. Nothing more to see them in traps. You know I mean, that's all you want to see. You want to see them go through the worst thing imaginable. You are fully on board with what Jigsaw's doing in this film. And I thought it was a tremendous... I thought that, like I said, the main thing for me was just making sure the twist worked. It did so for this film. It wasn't anything too left field or whatever. It was perfect for the for the game that we were watching. And I really dug this film. I'm, I'm excited as well because I know they've announced Saw 11. Looking forward to seeing what they do with that, whether they follow straight on from Saw 10. But this was awesome. This had obviously the right amount of fan service in there as well. I think it was just fan service just seeing Tobin Bell back, if I'm being honest, as Jigsaw. That was enough, you know? But then throw in, obviously, Detective Hoffman as well at the end. Oh, it, it worked. It worked so well. I really, really did enjoy this film. And I just can't wait to see what happens next with Saw, Saw 11. And it, uh, my last point on Saw X would be it's fantastic for people that are diehard fans of the franchise, but also very good for new fans as well, or like people that maybe just enjoy horror and they've not maybe seen all the Saw films, you could go in having probably never watched a Saw film and you'd be able to understand this one. So well done on that one because the writing team definitely got it wrong with Jigsaw and, uh, and, and at times within Spiral. So third time's a charm, eh? Now we are into the top three, and this is where it's going to get interesting, because I think that some people might think that, especially for number three anyways, there might be some people that think, hang on a minute, but at number three, I'm going with Oppenheimer. Like, we we know, we know that Christopher Nolan is a just a tremendous filmmaker, but I, I feel that Oppenheimer was everything and everything, and then some, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, we know he can make a film. Oh, okay, so now he's just, really 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 great at making films because this was this was just another level this was three hours about the guy that created the atomic bomb how do you make it that feel like it's only an hour and a half like there are films that are way worse than the obviously way worse than this there are films that were trash this year that felt even longer than Oppenheimer so I don't know how he did it and you say that out loud you say that to someone yeah I'm making a film about Oppenheimer you know and you're thinking that's that's not going to be other filmmakers could have a crack at this and it wouldn't anywhere near be as good as what Christopher Nolan did with the film itself. It is a stunning... This is one of those films that we will look back at this film. It will be studied at university or wherever. People will really deep dive into this film because I just feel like it had everything of a filmmaker's dream, if that makes sense. Like I think that it is so perfect... I can almost question myself why it's number three because I remember leaving the cinema and I remember doing a podcast straight away after leaving the cinema to watch Oppenheimer and I felt like I was just so like, almost like disorientated because I I couldn't believe what I'd actually seen. Like the performances, obviously the performances in there are stunning. Killian Murphy as, as the leads, phenomenal performance. But then you've got some top supporting performances as well from Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, you know, Florence Pugh's in there as too, and Matt Damon, another Matt Damon film is in my top 10 list, you know, he's great in this too, so I really, really think it's absolutely staggering too, the fact that there was no VFX in this film whatsoever, it was all practical, how Nolan managed to create the intensity, the suspense of, of again, like Aero saying earlier, we know the outcome of this film, we know what's going to happen, 
for three hours, eyes glued, everything else doesn't matter. This is incredible, incredible cinema. The idea as well of splitting the film between black and white for objective and subjective worked tremendously as well. And it is just, again, a staggering piece of cinema that, like I stated just a moment ago, it will be studied, this film. If I was doing my performance for stage and screen module again, or university course, I should say, degree, um, I would expect this to be on the list of films. You know what I mean? Like, in film studies, this has to be on the list moving forward. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Deserves to be in the top three. This was at one point number one. um, But, again, favourite list. It's not the best. It's my favourite list. So, top three. I mean, in fairness, the top three films are all my favourites of the year. So, yeah, do what you want with it. But still, Oppenheimer, incredible at number three. Number two, another sequel, John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, my God. How? How do they keep getting better? Like, really, really. Chad Stahelski, Keanu Reeves have worked tirelessly with this character, with this world, and this was the ultimate payoff for me. I feel that it was a fantastic closing chapter to Mr. Wick's story. And they had the ball to do that too, so credit. Don't make number five. Don't make number five. Leave it at four. It's perfect as it is. If you do number five, you'll ruin chapter four. That's all I'm saying on that. But really, really staggering. Like, we know the effort that goes into these films, the effort from not only Keanu, but Chad himself, too, obviously, Stahelski, being a former stuntman. So we expect the best of the best. But how they keep doing this with each film when they top the action sequences, I'll never bloody know. But, oh my goodness, the stunt team in this film, they deserve a raise? or two, you know, they threw everything at this, they really did, I felt that every action set piece was just jaw-dropping, a lot of the stuff in France in particular, just some of the best action sequences I've ever seen, like really, really tremendous stuff, the, you know, top looking down shot when he's in that warehouse, wherever he is, taking out the people from room to room, which was very game-esque, that was stunning, like absolutely one of my favourite moments in film this year, but everything about this was wonderful, everything, obviously it was like John against the world, and it just, it, you know, globetrotting from here to there too, but it didn't, again, this is another nearly three hour film, it just didn't feel like it at all, I, I absolutely dug everything about this film, I, I genuinely love, loved Every minute of it. And it was nice as well going to Paris this year for my anniversary. You know, going to those iconic steps that Mr. Wick falls down and just walking up them thinking, I think I could fall down these two. (laughs) Because it was so good, this film. Really, really excellent. Like I said, though, they don't need to do any more. Just leave it at that. I've loved re-watching this film. Obviously, you've got some great supporting roles in here too with uh, Donnie Yen playing Kane. Awesome, awesome is Donnie Yen in this film. He added so much more to it, you know, so much more to this film, especially, again, his relationship with John was just wonderful. But that too, Bill Skarsgård, who played the villain, the Marquis de Gramont, or whatever he was called. Skarsgård is like a chameleon. Genuinely, he is a chameleon. He can do anything. I have not seen him in anything. That's, he's not been terrible in anything, basically. I genuinely thought that he was, again, a fantastic villain that you love to hate. All the way through can't wait for this guy to die when is this guy gonna die (laughs) he was so so good like trying to take down not only john wick but the idea of john wick was just awesome to watch two hours 50 or whatever it was of pure john wick bliss loved it number two on the list awesome 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 stuff which then brings us to number one the favorite film for me of 2023 and it's a recent one godzilla minus one Oh my God, this film was just enthralling. Every minute of this was just fantastic. You know, I, I genuinely, I love Godzilla films, as you know. I love a monster flick, as you know. But I don't think anything has come close to this. And this year for me, 
this is the one. Like, again, I was expecting... I think the, the reason why this is number one, not only is it a fantastic Godzilla film, but it was one that I was looking forward to, but I wasn't expecting it to be just as perfect as this was, do you know? Like, the inspiration in this film, obviously your, your original Godzilla from 54, Jaws as well from 75, everything is like, oh, Joe Hobson, you, you like these films, don't you? Well, guess what? Everything that you like, it's going to be in this, like, inspiration-wise, this and that. Like, absolutely phenomenal. Takashi Yamazaki has produced probably what, like, it is so close to being my favourite Godzilla film ever, you know? Not just, like, in terms of, like, the monster action, but the actual characters in this film were tremendous as well. Like, absolutely fantastic. They, you cared for them. Like, you genuinely did care for them. You want them to survive. Not only is it them surviving Godzilla, but it's also survival after the after the war. You know, people have lost everything, and they're trying to rebuild. Oh God, there's a monster that's coming in, and it's about everyone coming together, becoming leaders, becoming a a huge, you know, unit of taking down this common threat. I freaking love this film. It was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, we know that the monster sequences were just jaw dropping, as I said on my previous podcast. Like Godzilla chasing the little wooden boat in the sea. Peak cinema this year for me. It was so stunning to look at. But the beast himself was just a tremendous design, a real, real beast. As I said on my podcast, I think I said that I was like beast <laughs> on my actual review, but. It was so good. It was really, really excellent. And it's one that, again, that I will be recommending to people. But for me, it is my favourite film of the year. It's staggering, a staggering achievement. And the whole team involved. On a budget of 15 million, I think it's now well up to nearly 80 million worldwide box office that it's gross. So they have done wonders with this film. Um, and I can't wait to own it again and rewatch it. But Godzilla Minus One is my number one film of the year so good really really excellent i'd love to know people's thoughts as well on your favorite films of the year but they're my 10 anyway so again agree disagree whichever the main thing for me i just very much appreciate you guys listen to this podcast it means the absolute world this podcast as i've said before is a massive passion project i love film and tv i started this podcast because i just miss talking about films and tv with my old man so this is a real great outlet and just it's a joy just to talk to people about the pod or about films in general. So whoever or whenever you have got in touch with me to say, yo, I checked out that episode, really enjoyed it, or whatever, however many times you've done so, just know that it honestly doesn't go unnoticed and it means the absolute world. Thank you as always for your constant support. I'm looking forward to 2024, as I say. Really, really hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas and I hope you have a fantastic New Year. Until then, take care.